This is Things to Think About and Plan For Before Your Wedding Day, written and narrated by me, Christina Fenner. Welcome back, guys. My wedding season is slowly coming to a close in the next few weeks, but that also means that wedding planning for 2022 and 2023 brides is just about to start ramping up. So I'm here today to share with you some things to consider and keep in mind as you dive into wedding planning. So let's get to it. Okay, to start us off, this is a rather unexpected and often overlooked area of a wedding day that can cause some serious wedding day stress, and that is the tuxes. Most times, couples opt to rent tuxes for the groom and groomsmen instead of purchasing them, which I'm all for. However, I think what most brides don't realize is that when the tuxes are ordered, they don't usually arrive until a day or two, maybe three, before the actual wedding day which leaves very little room for error when it comes to sizing and fit. I can't even count on my hands how many times a jacket hasn't fit or the pants are too long. Now, I'm actually confident that this is likely not an error on the shop's end. I can confirm this because I actually went with Justin and all of our groomsmen to their fitting appointment and saw the entire process for myself. So I'm here to report. So the ladies or the gentlemen at the shop take all of the guys' measurements, write them down, and then place an order with the actual tux rental company. They don't actually have the tuxes right there on hand most times. So I do believe that the mistakes most often happen on the end of the tux rental company. Basically, they are the ones sending the wrong sizes. Now I'm sure that there are measurement mistakes that occur during the measurement appointment at the shop, but I feel pretty confident in saying that it's often not the shop's fault. They send off the measurements, they place the order, and they hope that the warehouse or the tux rental company, wherever they're getting the tuxes from, read the measurements correctly and send the right product. So what happens next is the groomsmen go into the shop the day before to pick up their tuxes, and sometimes they don't actually try them on there at the shop. No fault of their own, but they just assume that the tuxes fit, all is well, and they don't realize something doesn't fit until they're getting ready the morning of. Trust me, I have seen and heard this scenario over and over again. Then, of course, it's a panic to get something in that does properly fit. Most tux rental companies do offer overnight shipping, which is good if the guys actually try on the tux prior to the wedding day. And something else that I encourage you to remember, and something that I am super thankful that I remembered for myself, was that just about all of Dustin's groomsmen work out of town, so they wouldn't have been able to pick up their tuxes until literally the day before. I knew this wasn't going to fly, so I arranged for the tuxes to come in a little early so the guys had plenty of time to come in, try them on at the shop, and make sure they fit. Thankfully, everyone's tuxes fit perfectly, so we didn't end up having to place an overnight order or anything. So I do suggest in order to avoid this potential issue is to have your groomsmen go in a couple days early, pick up the tuxes, try them on at the shop. That way, if something does need to be reordered, you have plenty of time before the actual wedding day. And there have been times when guys just haven't tried on their tuxes, they don't fit the morning of, and we just have to make do. I will say, looking back now, I do sort of wish that we would have custom-ordered and tailored Dustin's tux. It was totally fine, it fit well, and it looked nice, but I do prefer the more fitted and tailored look. I would have still rented the groomsmen's suits, but I think if I could go back, Dustin's tux is something that I would have spent a little bit more time and attention on. Speaking of attire, and something else that I see way too often, are brides and bridesmaids who have no idea how to actually get the bride into her wedding dress. This is most common when the bride has a lace-up or corset back on her dress. I know I say this a lot, but I guess I don't say it enough. 
you must bring a bridesmaid, your mom, or somebody to your final dress fitting. I suggest having them record a video of the seamstress or shopkeeper putting you, the bride, into your dress so then they can watch it back the day of and do all of the proper steps in order. I actually didn't know this, but sometimes there are latches and hooks that must be attached inside the dress before you can even start lacing it up. If these steps are not done in proper order, the back of the dress is not going to lace up properly or look right. And I actually learned this the hard way. A few days before my wedding day, I went over to my parents' house to try on my dress. My mom had never seen how the dress is laced up and didn't realize that there was a band and a hook that needed to be attached first, which helps bring the two sides of the dress together. And without these being latched first, it was really hard to get me into my dress. I thought that I had gotten a little too chubby for my dress because we were struggling. However, once we found the band and the hooks tucked inside the dress, it all came together just fine and we all breathed a huge sigh of relief. So lesson learned, have someone take a video of all of the steps to get you into your dress. Because remember, you can't see what's going on back there. You want to make sure that you have every latch, every hook, every clasp done first in proper order. Moving on to something else that isn't really worth stressing over is wearing your actual wedding shoes. Trust me, nobody ever sees your shoes. And I'm not saying that you can't find a fun or really pretty pair of wedding day shoes, but don't feel obligated to actually wear them. I have so many brides that will give me a pair of shoes to photograph for their details, but they don't actually wear them, and I'm all for it. This goes for bridesmaids too. They will likely kick those things off ASAP, and we rarely photograph bridesmaids' shoes anyway. I say find a really pretty pair of bridal shoes that match or complement your vibe for photos, but if they're uncomfortable, just don't wear them. Not worth stressing over, and honestly, nobody really cares. All right, so one of the most common questions I get asked on a wedding day is, what do I do with my engagement ring during the ceremony? Okay, so technically we know that the wedding band is supposed to go on the finger first, and then your engagement ring. Or there are brides whose wedding band goes around their engagement ring, like the engagement ring sits inside of the band, if that makes sense. So I'm happy to report there is actually no right or wrong way to do this. It's simply a matter of preference. So you can either wear your engagement ring and just have your groom slip on your band in front, which is what I did, or you can wear your engagement ring on the other hand during ceremony, or if both rings sit inside one another, you can have your groom slip on both rings at the same time. Truly, no one really pays attention to this, and it's totally up to you to decide based on your preference. For myself, it was more a matter of less things to keep track of, so I just kept my engagement ring on my left hand, like it always was, and then Dustin slid my wedding band on in front of it, and then later on I switched the two into the correct order later after the ceremony. Another frequent topic I often get asked about is what to do if people are not RSVPing. And trust me, this is by far the most annoying aspect of wedding planning. I'm also convinced it really doesn't matter how easy or simple you make this process. Some people just really are bad at RSVPing. Side note, if you are a wedding guest, don't ever just assume that the couple just knows that you'll be there and that you don't need to RSVP. Send in that RSVP card or log on and click yes or no. Okay, so here are my suggestions and tips in order of how to go about collecting RSVPs. Tip number one. 
I highly suggest using some sort of online service to digitally track your RSVPs. We use Zola and it made the tracking process super easy. We did not send out physical RSVP cards with our invitations because it saved us some serious cash on postage and sanity. Tip number two, it is totally fine to utilize social media to remind people to RSVP. However, I do suggest that you take the time to edit your post so only the people who haven't RSVP'd see the post. You can do this by editing the audience setting for your post and select certain people who will only see this post on their newsfeed. I definitely don't suggest making this post viewable to everyone on your Facebook friend list because certainly you will have someone on there who was not actually invited RSVP saying they're coming via comment on this post. And now you're in a super awkward situation. Optional tip number three, reach out personally once to those who have not RSVP'd, especially if it's getting down to the wire and you need your final guest numbers. Type up a quick message that says something like this. Hey there, Dustin and I are gathering final numbers for our RSVP to give to our caterer and our wedding planner. We wanted to reach out to see if you would be able to make it to our wedding on Saturday, July 17th at 3.30 p.m. at the Stables. We want to make sure that we have enough seats and meals for our guests. Thank you. It is totally fine to type up somewhat of a generic message that you can mass send, but it's also totally fine to let them know your intent on why you need to know if they're attending. This will likely encourage them to RSVP because you're giving them a reason on why you need these final numbers for your food and for your seating chart. Some of your guests might not realize that RSVP numbers are used for this certain purpose. It's more than, hey, I want to see you at my wedding. Are you coming? It's more so of, hey, how much money do I need to spend? So people likely, once they hear this and they understand this, they're then likely to RSVP either way. And lastly, tip number four. I do suggest maybe just setting up an extra table and adding a few extra meals to your catering number. I know it's annoying because this often means you're paying a little more, but in my opinion, it's worth it to just eliminate that potential stress. Okay, let's talk seating charts, which is often a big struggle that brides find themselves in. Who sits with who? I think this is definitely an area that does deserve some thought and attention, but honestly, it's less of a big deal than you probably think. A somewhat common myth is that you can just let people choose wherever they want to sit to avoid this potential stress. And honestly, I have seen in the past 10 years, people do actually prefer to be told where to sit and to have an assigned seat rather than to just figure it out themselves. It's very common to get to the end of your seating chart and realize that you have a handful of guests that you're not really sure where to seat. The first thing that I did and would suggest doing is looking if there are any guests who can absolutely not sit together, whether that be for personal reasons or conflict. Make sure that these guests are far apart and then just fill in the other guests where need be. I think the bride also forgets that after dinner, people sit wherever the heck they want, regardless of their assigned seats. Nobody minds and it's not really a big deal. Also, if you're a guest at a wedding, I wanna encourage you not to be offended in any way where you are placed or seated in the room. Of course, the parent and grandparent tables are usually placed right up front close to the head table, but after that, at least for my wedding, there wasn't any rhyme or reason on where the other tables were placed in a room. So whether or not you think you have a good or bad seat, it's truly not personal whatsoever. It's just a matter of placing tables evenly and appropriately filling the space. Speaking of tables, and I know that I've mentioned this before, 
But something that I implemented and loved at my own wedding was that we actually put our wedding party's significant others seated with them at our head table. I realize this might not work for everyone, but we are a pretty tight-knit group of friends, and it was really nice to include our wedding party spouses into our day. And I'm sure they equally appreciated it, because obviously, who wouldn't rather sit with their spouse during dinner instead of a group of potential strangers? Moving on, let's talk about guest arrival. I will tell you, no matter what time you put on the invitation for your ceremony start time, you will likely have guests, usually the older crowd, who show up way early. I'm talking like 45 minutes to an hour early, which can raise serious issue if you want to do a first look on site and not be seen by your guests before the wedding. To some brides, including myself, I didn't really care about seeing some of my guests before the ceremony. It was actually nice because I accidentally ran into some of my friends from out of town that I was able to chat with and visit with one-on-one before the crazy of the day started. However, if you absolutely do not want your guests to see you prior to the ceremony, you need to let your photographers and or wedding coordinator know. That way, your photographer can then be on the lookout for guests during first look and portraits, and your planner can then make sure to escort early guests to a designated area out of sight. We also might want to start first look and portraits a little earlier than we normally would, so we can make sure that you are tucked away in hiding before the earliest guest makes an arrival. Another way to combat early arrival is to put it right on the invitation. It's very normal for guests to arrive about 30 minutes prior to the ceremony, but don't be afraid to put on your invitation or somewhere on your wedding website asking your guests to arrive no earlier than X time. I can't promise that this will totally eliminate the early guest arrival, but I do think it will definitely help. Speaking of early guests, something that I have seen done intentionally, which I thought was awesome, is inviting certain family members to your getting ready location a little early so they can see you and spend some one-on-one time with them before the ceremony. I see this specifically done with grandparents a lot, especially because they might not stay super long after dinner, and you want to make sure that you get to spend some intentional time with them on your wedding day. And inviting them to see you and spend time with you before the ceremony is a great way to implement this. Okay, switching gears here, let's talk about pinning boutonnieres and the quickest and easiest way that I have found to do this. Usually on a wedding day, we just jump in and pin the guys super quick so we know that it's done and they are in place and won't fall off. Okay, so the boutonnieres are going to come equipped with two straight pins. I usually only use one, but sometimes two if the boutonnieres are really heavy or big. I place the boutonniere on the flap of the suit up towards the neck. Sorry, I have no idea what this part is called. And then I hold the pin horizontally on the back side of this flap and poke it through. Then I continue to push the pin through the center of the boutonniere, still horizontally, until it comes out on the other side. Then I push the pin back into the back of the flap on the other side. So think of this as weaving the pin through the back side, through the boutonniere, and then back on the flap. Again, you can then do the same thing with the other pin to give the boutonniere a little more support and hold. And I'm happy to report this method is poke-proof because the pointy end of the pin sits in between the flap and the coat itself. So even if the groom moves around, that pin is not going to poke through onto his shoulder. And the last little tip that I want to leave you with today is about wedding makeup. If there is one area on your face that you're going to want to emphasize for makeup and photos, it's your eyes. I can't tell you how many brides get their trial done and then say something like, 
uh, I feel like it's a little too much on my eyes. Now, I can't speak for every single makeup artist out there, but I can say that most makeup artists know that it is favorable in photos to have a little extra on the eyes in order to help them pop and contrast in photos. It's basically the same idea as stage makeup. Makeup does not photograph the same way in photos as it looks in person. Now, I don't want you walking around feeling like you look like a clown in real life on your wedding day, but even if the fake lashes feel a little weird at first, they make a huge but still subtle difference in your photos afterwards. Trust me on this, from someone who thought her own eye makeup was a tad much in my engagement photos, it ended up being the absolute perfect amount that I needed for that pop in my photos. And I will remind you that this looks different for everyone. If you are someone who wears barely any makeup at all on the regular, that doesn't mean that you're then going to need full glam for your wedding day. I highly suggest to my brides to have their makeup professionally done before their engagement session to then see how the makeup will photograph and make changes from there if needed. Okay guys, I think that's all I have for you today. If there are any other wedding day related struggles or topics that you want me to cover, as always, please feel free to slide into my DMs and let me know. Cheering you on, coffee in hand, Christina.